Welcome in. You're listening to Ally Radio on KNVC Carson City Community Radio. I'm Noah Glick, Executive Editor with the Sierra Nevada Ally. The Nevada legislature ended its regular legislative session Monday without all of the state budget bills signed. That forced Governor Joe Lombardo to call a special session Tuesday to finalize the budget. But then he called another special session Wednesday to decide on whether to publicly finance a baseball stadium in Las Vegas. We'll break down the regular session with KNPR's Paul Boger and find out what bills did not make the cut. Then sticking with sports, I have an interview with the president of the Las Vegas Raiders, Sandra Douglas Morgan. She was recently in Reno to celebrate the Nevada Women's Fund's 40th anniversary. We chat about those educational scholarships for young women and what Morgan hopes to do in her role with Nevada's professional football team. But first, let's break down some news of the week. Nevada lawmakers have adjourned for the weekend without a deal in place to publicly finance a new baseball stadium in Las Vegas. Many Democratic lawmakers have been vocal in opposition to the deal, especially given Governor Joe Lombardo's vetoes on other public funding bills, including funds for mental health and summer school. Paul Boger is a politics reporter and producer with KNPR State of Nevada, and he broke down part of lawmakers' thinking on the stadium deal. There's a philosophy that why are we giving these large tax breaks to corporations and billionaires who are going to build a factory or going to build a stadium or going to do whatever they're going to do anyway, you know, why why should we give them public funding when we're not giving that to mom and pops? Lombardo called a special session Wednesday to discuss the proposal from the Oakland Athletics to move the team to Las Vegas. The city of Reno is asking for community input on a number of civic projects. First, citizens are being asked to give feedback and even draw up your own ward maps as the city moves to increase the number of wards represented by city council from five to six. The city is removing the at-large position currently held by Devin Reese in order to create a new 6th ward. You can find out more information and draw up your own map at reno.gov redistricting. The city of Reno and the Regional Transportation Commission of Washoe County is asking for input on improved transportation throughout downtown Reno. They are proposing seven roadways throughout downtown that would include more bicycling infrastructure, including protected bike lanes and shared tracks for buses and bikes. You can provide your feedback on their proposal at downtownrenomicromobility.com. That just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? That's downtownrenomicromobility.com. And speaking of bikes, one trail in Reno will be an easier ride soon. Kai Plaskon with Bike News from Bike Life Radio, the Reno Bike Project, and bikewasho.org has this report. The Truckee River bike path is getting some love near downtown. Roots under the path are going to be cut, and the path is going to be patched for a smoother ride. The repairs are expected in June and July. The Truckee Meadows Bicycle Alliance supporter says the Automobile Museum has encroached on the bike path. Uh, The city of Reno says that it hasn't. Also, according to the supporter research, a 2016 sales deed says that the Harrah's Automobile Museum is responsible for maintaining the path. To get a wrap-up of everything that's been going on from Carson City, I'm here with Paul Boger. He's the reporter and producer for KNPR's State of Nevada. Paul, as always, thank you so much for your time. Happy to do it, Noah. So we are currently in a special session. Uh, Lawmakers adjourned the regular uh, session, legislative session earlier this week. So, Paul, just give us an overview. Where are we right now? Where does the session stand? 
Right. So the session, the regular session, we should say, ended on Monday. Monday, they adjourned Sunny Die late in the evening. And there were a lot of questions still left to be answered when they left, uh, left when they ended the, the session. Uh, and, and namely, you know, there was a, a budget bill that needed to be passed, uh, AB 521. That was the capital improvements bill. You know, that measure essentially is what funds all of the construction and maintenance projects in the state. So without that money, you know, buildings wouldn't be built, <laughs> construction projects on school campuses across the state wouldn't happen. So lawmakers had to get that done. It's one of the five big budget bills. So we had our first special session called immediately uh, after the regular session ended Monday night. At 1, p- 1 a.m., we got a proclamation from the governor. I think it's we should note here, too, that lawmakers have a constitutional mandate to pass the budget, and that's made up of five bills. They passed four right. as of Monday evening. So they had to, the governor had to call a special session in order to pass the final budget bill, right? Right. Absolutely had to. You know, that was the right call. And lawmakers got that done in a matter of hours. The hangup was Republican lawmakers wanted to see additional money attached to that bill to go towards uh, pay raises for public charter school teachers. You know, that was a bill that it worked its way through the legislative process. Public school teachers and traditional K-12 schools got about $250 million in pay raises. So, you know, that's going to be about an $8,000 pay raise for teachers across the state. Public charter school teachers, however, didn't get that raise. So Republicans wanted to see that money. It was about $30 million, $32 million to be exact. And Democrats at that point just weren't willing to give it up, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they were they were told that they just they had spent all the money. There was no more left and that this was just going the way it was going to be. But, you know, Republicans were hoping to hold out if they could just hold out to a special session. Maybe they could force those concessions. It just didn't happen. And the budget was rebrought up. That bill turned into AB1 in the 34th special session. And quite literally the only bill, of the, the only bill of the session. And it was the exact same thing as AB521 that had died the night before. It was passed, sailed through, and now it's on the governor's desk, likely to be signed. So we have a budget, a state budget. Yes. All five bills are all but approved at this point. Right. The, the, the function of government will continue for the next two years. Now let's move on to what, what were some of the big ticket uh, bills that were talked about that, that didn't make it at the end? I know the, the film tax credits, for example, was a, was a major controversial bill this session. Yeah, we talked about that a lot. And, you know, it came up at the end of the session that was to give $4 billion in transferable tax credits to developers to build sound stages in Southern Nevada to help lure content creators here to make movies. Uh, it, it was a big big, big ask. And I think a lot of folks just very much balked at the price tag. I mean, $190 million a year for the next 20 years. That's a lot of money in a state that does not collect a lot in taxes. So the price tag on that probably is what broke it. Uh, it, You know, there was talk that maybe it comes back in a special session in a couple months and maybe it looks different. Maybe it's one site. It's the Sony site, not the UNLV uh, Bercher Group site over at the Harry Reid business complex. So that's where we're at right now. Uh, Other things, you know, the governor very clearly in his state of the state in January talked about wanting a, say, you know, gas tax holiday. We never once talked about a gas tax holiday all this session. You know, the bill did come up near the end. It was introduced, uh, I think, mostly to appease the governor. 
But we never actually saw any debate on that. And there was, you know, that was likely because we heard very much up front from Democrats that they weren't going to pass a sales tax holiday, uh, gas tax holiday, I should say. Uh, never really got any traction. And that's because, like I said, Democrats wanted to make sure that the money would actually stay in Nevada's pockets. That's not what we've seen in other states that have suspended their gas tax. You know, the, the price of gas just rose accordingly to compensate for that. And, and those oil companies got the money anyway. So, you know, that just never saw fruition. Sex ed opt out uh, legislation, you know, to instead of having to opt your kid into sex education, it was an opt out bill instead that failed. You know, some other things, uh, baby bonds is something we talked about at the beginning of the session. Uh, Treasurer Conine created a bill that would put about $3,000 into a state run savings account for any child born in the state. Uh, that changed a lot during the course of the session because it was brought up almost at the very beginning. It was one of the very low number bills, but, you know, it turned into a lottery. Then it turned into, you know, it was a savings account that you could put money in. Ultimately, it died just because they couldn't come to some sort of consensus on how it should actually be framed. Some of the governor's priorities also went down in flames. You know, he wanted to see election overhauls. He wanted to see voter ID. That was a non-starter for Democrats. That absolutely was going nowhere. So it went nowhere. Um, and in that same vein, the you know the governor has had his say in a lot of the, the bills that were passed. He's issued a number of vetoes already. We're looking at more than 30 at this point. And there are about 40 some odd 50 bills still left in the governor's office for him to sign. You know, he's probably holding those until he knows Democrats are going to vote how he wants. Uh, in these special sessions. So it could be the full 10 days before we see it, those bills signed, um, but they could be vetoed in a matter of hours. Paul Boger is a reporter and producer for KMPR's State of Nevada. As always, Paul, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Noah. Sandra Douglas Morgan is what you might call a trailblazer. She was the first woman of color to serve as chair of the Nevada Gaming Board and the first black city attorney in the state of Nevada. She's now the president of the Las Vegas Raiders, the first black female to be president of a National Football League team. She was recently in Reno celebrating the Nevada Women's Fund's 40th anniversary. I spoke with her while she was in town about the importance of education and setting an example for women in sports. I got to ask the question, what got you started in sports? So I did, you know, did you ever see yourself working for the Raiders or in football or in sports? Like, how did you get into this? I, I love sports. I grew up a sports fan. My husband actually played in the NFL. He played for the uh, Vikings and the Cardinals. But we met here and actually in Reno at the University of Nevada. Um, so I, we, our entire family were avid sports fans. But I never saw myself really working in sports. There weren't a lot of opportunities. I grew up in Las Vegas. We never had professional sports when I was growing up. And it's just great great to see, you know, the Raiders and the Knights and the and the world champion aces now there and having and being able to speak to college students or high school students about, you know, having a, a potential career in sports. But honestly, it was not something that um, I ever kind of dreamed about because it was something that I never really had a lot of visibility. And I want to ask just about the idea of sports sort of growing in Nevada and in Las Vegas. We've seen, like you said, the Golden Knights, the Raiders, the A's are 
working on a, on a potentially trying to get here. What what are you seeing in terms of growth in interest in sports, in professional sports? What does this mean for the state and for Las Vegas? You know, I think this, the sports teams that are in Vegas and now are great. It's actually, you know, just giving families and people different, um, you know, options and things to do. And obviously, Las Vegas welcomes 40 million uh, visitors and, you know, allowing for, for us, for at least for Raider games, you know, people being able to have a weekend in Vegas or go to a convention and being able to end their trip with a Raider game is kind of the best experience. Um, I'm also part of the Super Bowl host committee, which is incredibly exciting. And I was um, the vice chair of that. I've been on that committee even before I was with the Raiders and just seeing the amount of planning and logistics and just the really the, the city and the state actually kind of coming together to make sure we're putting on the best show on earth is, is really exciting. And I think the city's really embracing it. They're just, you know, happy to, I think, finally um, be able to be seen as a, as a real sports town. I'm going to ask you about your specific uh, story with the Nevada Women's Fund in a second, but I'm just curious to know your thoughts first on what needs to happen in terms of getting more girls and women into sports, into leadership roles like yourself? How do you, how can we get more how can we get more girls and, and women into this role? All right. I made um, some comments during my remarks today about uh, a quote from Marion, Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. And I remember being a student at the University of Nevada and actually taking a course. It was an undergraduate course, but it was on the law of sex discrimination and understanding the, the history and the background behind Title IX. And, you know, our team owner, Mark Davis, also owns the Las Vegas Aces, which is, you know, the WNBA champions. And he puts on an event called the Nines where it's bringing, you know, women like Billie Jean King and it's allowing current, um, you know, not only just athletes, but even women in sports management hearing from their stories directly because it wasn't that long ago when we're talking about sports equity and, um, you know, equity um, around professional sports and even collegiate sports. So I really think there is going to be a momentum. You've seen some statistics that the actual um, women's final four actually had more viewers than some professional male leagues. And, you know, I think generationally now my, my son wears Aces shirts with no problem and they're embracing women's sports. They just want to see a competitive game. And I think it's going to, you know, slowly be part of the norm and not just the exception. And I think it's events like this, the, the, obviously the Nevada Women's Fund, um, you know, encouraging women to get education and, you know, them to branch out into different fields, which, you know, hopefully now will include a professional sports. So let's talk about your experience here with the Nevada Women's Fund. It was 23 years ago to the day. That, how, how cool is that, first of all? Uh, just tell me, what how important was that to you? I know you talked about it a little bit, but how important was that to you to get where you are now? Yeah, you know, I, um, I did receive a scholarship for undergrad, and I knew I wanted to go to law school after taking an undergrad, under a constitutional law class here. But, yeah, the, um, you know, my, my parents wouldn't have, we just knew kind of even going into undergrad that our parents wouldn't be able to cover it. And so I knew that if I decided to go to any type of professional school, I would have to do that on my own. And, um, you know, we move so quickly, right? And that's why I made some remarks about just kind of enjoying the moment. I just remember being on the grind, you know, trying to get scholarships, um, looking for financial aid to make sure that I could finish law school. And um, when I was approached with the you know, opportunity and the invitation to speak today and being reminded that the Nevada Women's Fund actually gave me a scholarship on March 25th of 2000, an actual 23 days to the date um, that, that I was giving remarks is incredible because they even knew that I was planning on going to UNLV, the Boyd School of Law, and we're still investing in me, knowing that I was an undergraduate student in Reno, and you know that that contribution, that scholarship, allowed me to stay in Nevada, allowed me to finish my education, and you know move on to where I am today. I know I've been covering the legislature a little bit of what's going on with the session and everything, and right now, you know, I know there's a lot of discussion around education, about funding education, how to do it exactly. I just want to ask because I know the Raiders did get a significant amount of public funding when it came to the Allegiant Stadium. How do you balance the sort of public funding for sort of these sorts of projects with the need for education in the state? 
Well, I am really proud to be um, the, the head of an organization that donates so much, not only of its time for community service efforts and its foundation, and I can guarantee you during my tenure as Raiders that we will um, be engaging with more partners and actually talking about what we're doing. There is, I think, a great um, historical nature of the Raiders to seduce good things because it's the right thing to do and not necessarily talk about it. But I do think with the public funding that we received in Nevada, it is important to talk about it to make sure that everyone knows that we're reinvesting in our communities. Additionally, from a DEI perspective, whether it be our contractors and our vendors at the stadium, um, promoting small and, and small, diverse, and women-owned businesses, working at the stadium and working at headquarters, making sure we're focusing on supplier diversity efforts, and that our um, intent is to always kind of really focus on local businesses that will ultimately grow. We also relocated multitudes and hundreds of employees here that are now investing and living in Southern Nevada and in Henderson and Las Vegas as well. Um, and so it, it's really a part of making sure the Raiders are part of the community and telling that story is something that I'll definitely be focused on. Last question for me. Uh, as a girl dad, I've got a little girl. She's going to be three here uh, coming up soon. What uh, I guess what, what's your advice to young girls out there who whether they're about to turn three or, you know, we heard from a recent high school or soon to be high school grad here at the event. What, what do you have for, for young girls and women? What advice do you give to them? Today? You know, I think you do studies show that you do see a shift around middle school where you have this fearlessness when they're younger and then something happens and it could be attributed to just middle school, social media and other pressures that kind of come along with just growing and trying to be trying to know who you are and identify with that. And my um, advice has always been for, for women, sometimes you'll see that they'll look at a job description and there's 10 different requirements and if they don't meet all 10 they don't go for it whereas men may see three or four and decide to I'm gonna go ahead and go for it we need to in, in invest in women and build their confidence and just tell them to go ahead and take a risk I think with big risk comes big reward sometimes but it's really about believing in yourself and not getting in your own way um, we have to be able to be open to try new things try different industries try different skills look at different majors and things that maybe aren't traditionally for women and I you know I think the Nevada Women's Fund is is exactly the type of organization and the history and the women that have actually um, you know been honored and contributed to that organization to show women and girls that they can really do anything. That'll do it for Ally Radio this week. A big thank you to Paul Boger and Sandra Douglas Morgan for joining the show. You can keep up with the latest news and information from the Sierra Nevada Ally at our website, sierranevadaally.org. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter and get the latest stories sent directly to your email inbox every Friday. You can also quickly and securely make a financial contribution to help keep our reporting going. We will never have a paywall or require a subscription, but that means we rely on individual contributors like you. That's all on our website, sierranevadaally.org. I'm Noah Glick, and until next time, let's be good to each other.